Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism, and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer, and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of Black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and Black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and The Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic. It's been a little while, so I'm actually really glad to get back into podcasting. My goal is now that we are in a new month and we're almost into the last quarter of 2022, my goal is to actually um, go back to weekly podcasts. So I've been rearranging my schedule. So that's what you can expect for the fall. I always try to kind of um, fall back um, when it once it hits December-ish, but I think that's everyone sort of with the holidays and the cold weather. People just sort of want to be more focused on their families. But until then, I intend to get back to my regularly scheduled programming. So in this episode, I wanted to dive into the trend that we are all tired of hearing about quiet quitting. But before we dive into thoughts around quiet quitting and also what organizational leaders can do to ensure that they're creating an environment where quiet quitting isn't happening or they're discouraging it rather. And I'm gonna get into more of my thoughts about that. I wanted to share with y'all that I just created a new email address, askdrjnice at gmail.com. I'm gonna drop the email address in the show notes Um, It'll be one of the first links that you see in case y'all want to check it out. But the purpose of creating that new email address is because I wanted a place where people can go to send questions, almost like a Dear Abby, but it's more like Dear Janice. Um, And so I wanted a place where I could go to answer questions, right, um, via the podcast, So if you have questions and you're a listener of this podcast or you want your questions answered by a practitioner, somebody who is passionate about anti-oppression work and um, someone that is, I, I never call myself an expert because I feel like you can never be an expert in this work. We're all experts in our own experiences, but I'm very passionate about this work. So if you want your questions to be answered, um, or if you have just thoughts and, you know, inquiries related to DEI, send me an email. And what I'm gonna try to do is at the end, I might do it at the end of each show, 
um, answer a few of the questions that are sent. Um, also, y'all might inspire, y'all know I love to write, so you might inspire some articles. Um, I like to do deep dives in articles related to questions and thoughts and things that I see on LinkedIn and online. So again, that email address is askdrjnice at gmail.com. So reach out to me there if you have questions related to DEI, you have issues that your company's facing. And at the end of each uh, podcast episode, I will answer some of your questions. I always remind all of this, but if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review and a rating. It helps me as an independent creator. Um, It helps with visibility and it helps other folks to find me. So, you know, I feel like at this point we've heard about quiet quitting ad nauseum. So I don't need to like explain what it is, but I will give a really brief definition just to level set this conversation. Quiet quitting, the best way we can think about it is folks doing the, the, I don't even want to say the bare minimum, right? Because doing your job isn't the bare minimum. People doing what is required of their job and not going above and beyond. Quiet quitting is not a new phenomenon. Folks like me, I'm a millennial. Millennials have been doing this. Gen Xers have been doing this. I feel like the baby boomer generation is a generation that was really focused on working hard, and I'm using air quotes, working hard, working long hours at a job and advancing, right, through your hard work and dedication. And I think around the Gen X era is when we started to see pushing back against this notion that we have to work in a job for the entirety of our lives, work hard, ascend, move up, and live the American dream. That's also in air quotes. And so it's not a new phenomenon, but Gen Zers have just put a new name to an old sort of issue. And it's really, it comes down to a lack of engagement. And since the pandemic has started, we've seen engagement waning, primarily because folks are, we're all kind of in a state of burnout. A lot of the research that's come out since the pandemic has indicated that folks work more hours on average than they did, than we did pre-pandemic, right? So many of us are working longer hours, more hours, and we're in this state of limbo in this world where there's so much going on. It feels like it's an overwhelming amount of things going on. And for those of us who are younger adults, and I say younger adults, but like, Older millennials, geriatric millennials are actually in their 40s, I think, their early 40s or late 30s. So we're not actually young, <laughs> that, that young anymore, I guess that's who you ask. But a lot of us are just, we're exhausted, we're the sandwich generation, right? So many of us millennials are taking care of our elderly family members or our baby boomer family members while also caring for children, right? And so there's all of these factors that are impacting our experiences and and causing burnout. And I think that that coupled with the, what we've seen as like this racial revolution that was sparked by the murder of George Floyd, many employees want to, to want to work for and associate with companies that are, um, that prioritize 
diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so all of these sort of ingredients have made for a recipe that is a recipe for just setting the stage for quiet quitting, right? And so I really wanted to curate this conversation around how to, how to, you know, this is a, it's such an ongoing issue with organizations. It's not a new issue, but how to make sure that in a post pandemic workplace, employees are engaged. What are some things that you could be doing to keep it, keep them engaged, right? And so that's really what this, this episode is going to focus on. I will, I'm trying to think, I have some, I have an article I wrote specifically about this. So I will leave that in the show notes as well. But really when you're figuring, you're trying to figure out how do we keep employees from quietly quitting, it's really, really, really important to first do an analysis of employee workloads, right? Evaluate how much work and projects and assignments employees are taking on, survey employees to assess their level of comfortability with the amount of work and assignments that they're taking on. I would venture to say that a large part of the reason, one of the reasons why employees quietly quit is because they're overwhelmed and burnt out and the amount of work that they're doing is too much. So evaluate, right? And you could do this through an anonymous survey where you ask specifically about the workload, right? Asking on maybe a Likert scale, which is just a five point, excuse me, it could be a five point scale where you have employees rate or a 10 point scale on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being, I cannot handle this and one being, I'm uh, completely comfortable, right? 10 being, let's say, uncomfortable, how how would you rate your workload? How would you rate the amount of assignments that you are given on your team, right? And if you see that the majority of employees on a particular team or in your workplace are saying that they are not comfortable with the workload, asking follow-up questions about that, maybe asking questions about the support, that they feel like they have from team members and from leaders and from managers will also give you interesting and important insights. But really understanding how employees are feeling about their workload is vital. With my clients, one pattern that I'm noticing is that a lot of employees are leaving because they feel like the workload is just too much, right? Point blank period, the workload, right? And I would say that when you are trying to impact change, right? And trying to figure out how can we, like we don't want employees quietly quitting. There's there's really two systemic issues that you want to be thinking about, right? The first is the workload and burnout. And although we often frame burnout as like an individual issue, Burnout isn't the result of a week, a day or a week or a month. Burnout is the result of a long period of time where someone has felt overwhelmed and exhausted and physiologically and psychologically, it's, it's, it's a lot, right, that someone is navigating and dealing with. And that's not something that happens. You're not burnt out 
because of a week of work, right? You're burnt out. It, it takes time to get to that level. And so when you're thinking about how do we make sure that our employees aren't quietly quitting, right? How do we ensure that you want to do everything in your power to make sure that employees do the job that they're hired for, but that they enjoy the work that they do. And you want people to give, right? You don't want people to give more than their cup will allow, but you want people to pour into their work and to do good work. And they do good work because they're happy with the place that they work with. They're happy with the people that they work with. I'm the type of person, I'm like a recovering, and I haven't fully recovered. I'm like a workaholic and I like to do good work, right? If I'm doing something or I'm putting my name on something, I don't want to give something that's like, you know, for example, I have a thing with like typos, right? I don't like to give people things that have typos. When I make posts online and they have typos, I cringe. And I'm trying to let myself go from that like perfectionism that I sometimes feel. And so you want to think about the systemic issue, two systemic issues in your workplace. The first being the culture of burnout, right? Think about like, are we encouraging employees to set boundaries? And is that boundary setting modeled by their leaders, right? If you're telling me that it's okay, and I know I've mentioned this in a podcast before, um, where I had a client who they did a survey and they found that a lot of employees were experiencing anxiety. And I think part of that is because they're burnt out, right? And and that was something that was coming up um, with employees is that it seemed like the workload and the burnout was exacerbating their anxiety. And another piece of feedback that came through was that employees were saying like, you, you want us to take time off. You're encouraging us to take vacations. However, we don't see that modeled by the other people on our team or by leadership, right? If you're a leader saying, we want you to feel comfortable working from home, but you're always in the office, right? And you're rewarding people that are never taking time off and that are always in the office, that's sending an unconscious message to employees that those are the things you prioritize. You prioritize being present and you prioritize um, doing lots and lots and lots of work and not taking time off, right? So looking at and thinking about the systemic issues and the systemic problem with burnout in your organization. Every company has varying levels of this where there's maybe a lack of boundaries that are being set, right? Um, that's from employees and they're scared to set boundaries sometimes because, rightfully so, because they see that setting boundaries may lead to consequences, right? If you set a boundary and say, I need to get off early because I need to pick up my child or I need to get off early because I feel overwhelmed, that might lead to um, not getting the promotion, right? Or not getting the raise or whatever the case may be. And so... I think that it's important to assess and evaluate those systemic issues that are like festering, right? And burnout is a big one. And also for any of y'all listening who are employees, right? I think that like I've talked about quiet quitting on my LinkedIn page and I'll, I'll have my LinkedIn info in the show notes if you want to connect. I love connecting and meeting new people, but I, I think that like I... I was able to quietly, I don't want to say was able, I was quietly quitting within the university that I worked at. I shared with y'all that I left 
academia after seven years of being a college professor. I was working in an institution full-time, a private institution full-time, and also juggling running a consultancy full-time. And so I gave my all. When I put my, when I like do work, I, I put my all in it, right? And so I was quietly quitting. I, I think I started quietly quitting in November of 2021 when I found out I was being underpaid by maybe $30,000. Was it 30, 20 to $30,000 I was being underpaid, right? And um, I I was significantly underpaid. And in November of 2021, I told my partner, you know, I'm not comfortable being in this environment. And my partner encouraged me to just, you know, continue and give it another like six or seven months and if I still felt that same way to leave. And I did that, right? Um, I gave it till July of 2022 and I then I left. So that's like about eight months. And while I was there, I had engaged in quietly quitting where I knew I wasn't giving my 100% because I was dissatisfied. And I will also say that pay is... You know, in like when you look at theories of motivation, one of the things that, you know, one of the theories that a lot of people follow, I guess, and that's a whole nother, like whether I actually agree with a lot of these theorists is another story. Like um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I don't agree with. And I think that he, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Let me not get into that. But one theorist or theory that I do agree with is Herzberg's two-factor theory. And Herzberg basically said that um, there are hygiene factors and there are motivators, right? Hygiene factors are like the things that make a job cool, but aren't necessarily factors that motivate people, right? So um, pay is a hygiene factor, right? So if I'm doing meaningful work that is more of an intrinsic motivator, right? If I enjoy the people that I work with, that's an intrinsic motivator. A hygiene factor is something that's like, you know, it's kind of like makeup, right? It's something on the surface, right? So promotion and status and pay are often hygiene factors. So I don't want to make it seem like I was quietly quitting because I was dissatisfied with the pay. The pay was the, the cherry and the icing on the cake. I was dissatisfied because I was treated unfairly in the institution where I worked. Um, There were several instances where um, the word of students were prioritized over my word and my experiences and that essentially like caused me to disengage, but I was still putting forth effort, right? And there was an incident that happened in 2020 that made me realize, oh, this is like an institution that is is not prioritizing me as a black woman, but is prioritizing the word of students, right, over me as an employee of this institution. And so even when that happened in 2020, I still kept giving my all because that's in my nature to do. And I felt like students deserved me to give my all. And then in November... When I when all of these things had happened, I was like, okay, I'm still gonna put in effort. Then I got an email that basically where I was able to see the salary bands for my rank and position in that institution. And I'm like, wow, I was getting paid, you know, this amount, and I'm actually getting paid 
It was, it's actually almost 30,000. It's like, it was $27,000 difference for what I should have been getting paid. And when I questioned, I reached out to HR and I was like, why am I getting paid this? They didn't really have a response. They basically said, our goal is to get every faculty member to their salary band by 2023. That's not an answer for why I'm being underpaid. So I say all this to say like, salary was a hygiene factor, right? So you wanna really like, figure out what factors, what systemic issues are causing people to disengage. And it's likely one or both of these issues and the first being boundaries, people feeling like they are unable to take on the workload and some people aren't able to set boundaries with leadership and say, I can't take on this work. So it could be the workload. Um, which is very likely because many of us are burnt out. But I do want to caution and say, if you are a person of the global majority, right, if you are a black person, an indigenous person, an Asian person, a a Pacific Islander, right, if you are a non-white person, you have to also think about the consequences of quietly quitting, right? We are already, as a non-white employee, you are already seen as not being as good as your white counterparts. So if you start to disengage, when you are giving 130% and then you start to disengage, that is something that your leaders might notice, will likely notice in your um, coworkers. And there could be consequences to that, right? Where it could be like, well, Janice isn't performing because she's not putting in as much effort. And it could have just been, I was going above and beyond and then I decided to not do that. And now it looks like I'm not performing as well, right? So there are real life and real time implications to quietly quitting. It sounds cute on, um, on uh, I was going to say Tinder. It sounds cute on TikTok. But you have to also think about the fact that for black women specifically, quiet quitting is not always an option for us right so there's that i did want to want to mention that and so the other issue the other systemic issue you really have to think about and this is where why it's so important to find people with specialties and expertises in things like racial equity and anti-racism and anti-blackness is because you may also have an exclusion issue where I've worked in tons of organizations and institutions and I've worked with many organizations and institutions that weren't like people weren't outwardly racist or inflammatory where they're like, we hate blacks or where they're like, we hate women. But it was like insidious systemic things, right, where you see that the underrepresented groups are mostly in junior positions, but as you move up to senior positions, you don't see any non-white, non-male, non-cis-het folks, right? So you really want to look at like policies, right? Evaluate one of the strategies is having someone come in and evaluate your policies and your practices, doing an equity audit, right? Which is something that I do regularly for clients is evaluating policies and practices and systems to look for gaps and areas that could be more equitable, right? And then coming up with a plan to improve those policies and practices and systems. So there may be, for example, um, a lack of consequences when people engage in 
exclusionary behaviors, this is something that I hear often from clients, is that there is, you know, a lack of consequences where someone might say something or do something and because of their power and their position in the company, there's no accountability, right? There's no consequences. And that can be infuriating, right? That's enough to create an environment where someone like me might not feel like this is where I want to be, right? So, I could write a whole like dissertation on just systemic issues, systemic racism and systemic bias within academia. I could write a whole like a whole paper uh, dissertation on that. But, you know, really looking at your um, exclusion, right? Ways that people are being excluded, ways that there are inequities in advancement and in recruitment and in hiring, right? And so there's all of these ways that bias can creep into the process. It's ob- it's often not as obvious where it's like, hey, we're not going to hire you, right? Because folks know what is illegal. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, people are aware, HR is aware, but there things are done in very insidious ways where it's like, okay, you reported your manager and now you're up for promotion and you don't get the promotion because of quote-unquote performance issues. I, I actually heard someone share with me when you know we were having an informal consulting session and he said one of the issues that goes on at his firm, you know, he's an, he was an engineer, he said one of the issues was that um, the company will put leaders will put employees on performance improvement plans if they don't like the employee or if there's some sort of, um, you know, the employee speaks out about something, you put them on a PIP, right? Or a performance improvement plan. And that stays on a person's record and that doesn't look good. So now if I accuse you of being retaliatory, I can never say that word. If I accuse you of retaliating against me for speaking up, I can point to the paperwork and say, well, no, you you actually haven't been performing, right? So performance improvement plans are sometimes used as a retaliatory tool. And so having having an outside entity, a consultant, um, a HR, you know, an HR policy uh, specialist review your company policies and practices to assess for equity is also something that's really important and can help you to prevent employees from from becoming disengaged and from quietly quitting, right? So addressing the systemic issues, the, the first of which is burnout, right? Burnout is a systemic issue. No matter how we try to frame it as an individual issue, burnout can contribute to um, mental and employees' mental well-being, mental health, and all a slew of other issues. So addressing the systemic issue of burnout and also addressing systemic issues of bias and inequities. And addressing those two issues will be vital in ensuring that employees are not disengaged in your workforce. So if you're interested in learning more about how I can help your organization or institution create an environment that is anti-oppressive, anti-racist, equitable, and inclusive, My email address is in the show notes. You can reach out, send me an email. And also, if you have any questions related to DEI, anti-oppression, anti-racism, 
send them to askdrjnice at gmail.com. So that is where I'm leaving today's episode. This is not a normal episode day. It's a Wednesday. But um, it's been a little while, so I wanted to to drop a drop an episode for y'all. But I look forward to uh, the next next week's episode. I love y'all, and I will see y'all in the next episode.